This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Amen. If you see me looking to my right, it's because both of our uh, diaconal candidates, ordinands, are right here to my right, and I can't help but look over at them every once in a while, but social distancing prevents you from seeing all of us together. But that's what I'm doing when I go over there. So we have an ordination in the time of the coronavirus pandemic. And to that I say, hallelujah. This has been one of the most disorienting experiences I've known in my adult life to go through this time. The word unprecedented is absolutely cliched now. We say it over and over again because it is so unprecedented. And I actually find that as we're here today, setting aside these two men for the ministry of deacon, for the ministry of mission, I find myself oriented again in the ministry of the kingdom of God and of the scriptures. Oriented, knowing and going, I know this world. I understand what it means to advance in the work of mission. And I pray this will be orienting for you. I pray this will be strengthening for these two men and their faithful, faithful gospel wives. There is much that is in dispute during this time. There's, it's all about dispute right now in this um, age of coronavirus. Who to listen to? What expert is accurate? Where did the virus come from? Almost everything is disputable, it would seem, except for at least one or two things. One thing that is indisputable is this has been a time of fear. This has been a time where all of us have had to wrestle, no matter how we're viewing what's happening, with some measure of fear. And into this time of fear, and into this afternoon moment, our Lord Jesus would appear to us as he appeared to the disciples when he walked on the water amidst the storm, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. We take heart. It is Jesus who ultimately ordains these men to the work of the church. It is Jesus who in our midst is sparking and called us to plant a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. We hear Jesus' voice above all voices right now amidst this moment. Take heart. Other translations say courage. (laughs) It is I. Do not be afraid. Not only is your ordination providentially happening amidst the coronavirus pandemic. Right? I mean, this isn't what we thought of, what we planned. Of course, we'd love to have a nave in Durant full of St. David's folks and a nave here in Wheaton full of resurrection folks celebrating this moment. Of course, we would love to have that. But that wasn't the plan of the Lord. The plan of the Lord is that you would be ordained as a deacon in this time, in this season. And we receive his providential plan. We don't begrudge it. As a matter of fact, we give thanks for it. So you're being ordained. Not only amidst COVID pandemic, that's quite secondary to his calendar. The Feast of Ascension Sunday. Where it's not only are you in a time of fear, coronavirus, pandemic, but on Ascension Sunday, you're in a time of fierce focus. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, the disciples ask, Now, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? They ask to Jesus. Jesus replies, The Father has fixed this time by his authority. He is working this out in his providential plan. But here's what you can do. The Father will do that. Here's what you can do, he says to the disciples. Have a fierce focus. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and be my witnesses. So providentially, your ordination has fallen, yes, amidst the pandemic, but even more powerfully on the Sunday of the Ascension, the Sunday of the Feast of Fierce Focus. Nothing deters the Christian from mission. Nothing deters the Christian leader from mission. That's where we orient. Now, Jeremiah, our Old Testament lesson for today, our, our, my, my preaching lesson for today, that was a man who took heart. As a matter of fact, he's told in verse 8 of chapter 1 that was just beautifully read, do not be afraid. What a perfect passage for the ordination today. As we look at the book of Jeremiah, we find ourselves with a larger context in the life of Israel, fascinatingly enough, of revival. Now, I think you all understand what exactly what I say when I say revival, but I appreciate that we may have folks that are in on our live stream that might find the word revival problematic or confusing at this point. When I speak of revival, I'm simply speaking of a long-term, slow-burn, church-based application of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's the ministry of revival. And our diocese is called to plant a revival by the planting of churches and churches that plant churches. A revival of word and sacrament, a revival of the church infused by the Holy Spirit. And what we indeed have in the era of Jeremiah is an era of revival. We have a time where the word of God, the law, the book of the law is rediscovered by Josiah and his leaders. We have a time where Passover is reinstituted as at the heart of the life of Israel. We have a a revival of word and sacrament as our canon theologian has taught about the era of Josiah. That's the backdrop of Jeremiah. That's the backdrop of the ministry the Lord has called the both of you to and all those that will be a part of your ministry. So as we begin, before we even get to verse 4, which was in our passage, I'm going to look at just verses 1 to 2 of chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Ananoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. What we have, fascinatingly enough, and the first thing I want to say to you out of this passage is expect revival partners. God was instituting a revival of word and sacramental ministry, if you will, with the book of the law and the Passover in this era. But not only did he institute that, he raised up partners for that work. Indeed, we read and know that in 626 B.C., Josiah, the new king, a young king, purges Israel of its idols, and the book of the law is found. It is very likely 627, historians tell us, that Jeremiah begins his ministry. So Jeremiah and Josiah are contemporaries. Indeed, they're revival partners. Indeed, after the book of the law was discovered, Jeremiah is sent out on a preaching mission to go and proclaim the reality of the words of God and to bring revival to people who, yes, had religion and, yes, had some kind of knowledge, but their bones didn't burn with the truth of God yet. And that's what word and sacrament revivalists do, is they go places where already the word was sown at one time, but the weeds have grown up. The birds have come and taken away the seed. They go back to places where maybe there's already been those lands plowed. But they need a new preacher. They need a new man or woman who will bring the truth of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Church, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, yet again 
So God will raise up revival. Partners, expect them. He didn't send Josiah by himself or Jeremiah by himself. Nor did he send you into the ministries you have by yourselves. I could literally spend 30 minutes just listing from the last 30 years the revival partners God has given Catherine and me. Literally, dozens upon dozens upon dozens. I'll just choose one from the very beginning. Two, because they were married. Jerry and Addie Jers. We had begun our ministry. We had great challenge at resurrection when we began. We had gone through lots of divisions of the church. I was a very young pastor. And God raised up Jerry and Addie Jers. He was on my vestry. The two of them became just leaders in our church. At that point, most of the church was 30 or younger. They were in their 50s, which at that point seemed very stately and ripened. Now that I'm in my 50s, I realize how young you are. But they loved us. They prayed constantly for us. When conflict emerged, and it did often, when controversy would happen, they were always there. They'd sit in the front row of conflictual parish meetings, stable, steady, regularly let me know that they were behind me. I made mistakes, sometimes with them. I'd repent, they'd quickly forgive. Revival partners, expect them. Second, remember your revival identity. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is what we hear the word of God say, the Lord say to Jeremiah. This is beautiful in verse 4 and 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, what's the first thing that the word of the Lord brings to Jeremiah? He's a prophet. He's a preacher. He's one who catalyzed amazing things within the reality of Israel. And yet what is the first thing that the word of God says to him? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Remember your identity. An identity that's been revived by the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Remember he who knows you better than anyone. He who delights in what you delight in. He who's actually interested in what you're interested in. Oh, people of God that are listening. Remember your revival identity. The identity of who you are in Jesus. Far more important than anything else in your life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I'm glad you're going to be ordained deacons today. But it really isn't that important. Not compared to the fact that you were formed in the womb by your Father in heaven. That he knows you because Jesus saved you, that you could have a close relationship with your Father. That's a whole lot more important than anything that will happen today. It's so fundamental to your personhood that nothing else is, is prior to that. Before you were even formed as an embryo, you were known, Greg. You were known, Chad. It doesn't matter how many revival partners you have. It doesn't matter how many sermons you preach. If that fundamental reality 
is not true for all of us. Then our foundation is built on sand and not the rock. Indeed, we read of this again in Psalm 119. Not every verse here is applicable for an ordination. Some of them are specific to Jeremiah. <laughs> but this, this is applicable. An ordination is applicable to all who know God. Psalm 119 says, Your hands have made and fashioned me. You will be a much better deacon if you remember first that you are delighted in Son. Now you'll need this fundamental idea Identity in God. Because you do the work of revival, it will include the work of suffering. If you have the impression that somehow revival is primarily fireworks and accolades and stunning victories in which throngs of cheering crowds are running with us, we have an idea of revival that is fostered by something that I'm not even sure what the source would be other than our own prideful hearts, and not from the Bible. Jeremiah and Josiah were both leaders in a revival. And yet we know that Jeremiah was not only the prophetic leader, not only the preaching prophet, but he is right known as the weeping prophet. Well, he led revival, but he suffered persecution, even his own family, imprisonment, exile, ignominy physical calamity. So as I call you to revival, as I seek to be with you in the work of revival, of course I must give biblical testimony to the biography of Jeremiah. So how often must he have gone back to that word? Yes, I'm suffering. Yes, this is very difficult. But I'm a beloved son before I'm anything else. Finally, as Jeremiah was called, so preach revival truth. We read, behold, verse 9, well, verse 9, the Lord puts out his hand and touches his mouth. Of course, we're reminded of also what happens in Isaiah. The Lord says to him, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have touched your mouth. And I put my words in your mouth. So preach revival truth. Go to the already plowed ground that's now become hard with stone upon stone. Go back to that ground. Go back to the ground of Durant and the surrounding community. Chad, go to the Fox Cities. Make that ground your ground. Make that ground God's ground. Own that ground. Yes, by the sweat of your brow. Yes, by the life of prayer. And by preaching. Go and preach the absolutely clear whole counsel of God 
Priest of 66, all books of the Bible, all the testimony of God given us in the scriptures. Hold nothing back. Be not afraid. Jesus said, it is I. Take courage. Take courage in your preaching. Take courage that the word of God will not return void. Hallelujah. It's full of such power. It's full of such ability to convert the mind, to unsettle a heart to bring those to repentance who have not known the glory and the forgiveness of God. Oh, preach the gospel. Preach it regularly. Preach it faithfully. Preach it softly. Preach it loudly. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be revival preachers. I bless you on this day. I call you to preach a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jeremiah has gone before you. He preached in season, out of season. Amen. You'll need revival partners. Expect them. Remember your revival identity. You've got it. And preach as deacons. Be preaching deacons who preach the Word of God. Greg, you are a true gentleman. I haven't had a chance to get to know you deeply, but we have had several wonderful interactions and times together. You're a gentleman in the truest sense of the word. You have the security of God, which has given you a gentleness of spirit. We'll be to those who would take that gentleness as weakness. That's not the case with you. And did you have a gentleness that when others might say peace, peace, when there is no peace, as we see in the book of Jeremiah, verse 14, you understand the need to Act with conviction, and your history has shown that. So be that gentleman that you are with conviction. I praise God for that call on your life. Chad, the word is in your heart like a fire. Jeremiah 20, verse 19. Will be to those who might think, oh, a mild-mannered Midwesterner. They might get burned for the sake of the Lord. I'll never forget early when you came here for your residency and we were in prayer as a staff team. And you and I were paired up praying. Perhaps you remember this. And the conviction of God came on you for the loss of the Fox Cities, the loss of your hometown. And the Lord wrecked you. You could never have worked yourself into that place. It was a revelation. And he gave you a fire to reach those who do not know the Lord, to raise up a church. So praise God. Continue with conviction. Continue with the fire. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.